2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. due. $35 per
3: line connection charge apply. CTmobile.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. At 540, Jeff Nowak will join us for a triple option. The guys will take you to eight o'clock tonight. We're going to do this real quick. Uh, We're going to go to our Oakland Jewelers Talk and Text Line special guest. We haven't had him on in a couple months. He was busy. Uh, Never thought I'd say it. He was back coaching again full-time. The legendary Pete Jenkins. Coach, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Yeah. (laughs)
4: Yeah. Yeah. You never thought you'd say it again, Mike.
3: Well, I said it once already, so
4: I didn't think I'd have to say it again. (laughs) Yeah. Hi, Mike. How are you
3: doing? I'm doing great, Coach. Uh, before we get into uh, uh, Bo Davis and oh, uh- I remember when he came to Louisiana Lion Camp, he, he told me, uh, asked him, when he was with the Lions, he couldn't come there as a college coach. Yeah, but college uh, coach. Well, when he was with Detroit, I said, the biggest influences in your life. He said, man, he's about 10 feet from us, Pete Jenkins. Yeah. And he said, uh, Coach Saban, he said, those two guys. Yeah. But y- your thoughts on returning uh, full-time back to uh, coaching, even if it was just from midseason on, how'd you enjoy the experience? Because – you a couple of generations removed from these young men who are 18, <laughs> 19, 20, 21, and I'm, I'm yeah. being kind, but I, I, we, both, we both know the age. How did you enjoy that experience, Get Back Coaching? Because it is a grind, and and we heard your old friend yesterday say, you know, I only know how to do it one way, and that's why I'm leaving. Uh, talk yeah. about that experience back at LSU.
4: You know, it was great, Mike. Um, the, I, I love the kids. The room was great they they really they really and truly wanted to get better and they they wanted to be represent l s u and be uh known as you know one of the defensive lines that were were really good i mean i couldn't have asked for more cooperation from them i enjoyed them i looked forward to seeing them every day and uh yeah it, that phase of it was was really great i- uh coach Kelly my coach Kelly was really good to me and uh, when he first approached me right after the old miss game uh, I, I, I call it a game I don't know if it was a game or a track meet. but uh, he called and and I told him I said coach look uh, I can't stay over there all night like I used to I can't I can't work late and get up early and and work hard like that all day. I can't do it anymore. And he said, Pete, I'm not asking you to do that. And he was really good to me. Uh, he told me at one time, he said, you know, kind of set your own hours, how you can, and so I didn't abuse that, Mike. I, you know, I, I came, I'd get there, the latest I'd get there is 8 o'clock or so. But on Tuesday and Wednesday, which are the big work days, you know, I'd be there at 6.15 or so and, and stay up seven o'clock at night so but it was it was an unbelievable i'm so grateful for the experience and to to have an opportunity to go back to lsu for the fourth time (laughs) and listen at this mike to work for my six six head coach at lsu isn't that unbelievable
3: well, nobody's going to break that record, Coach. I can, I can grant you that at this stage of the game.
4: I think it's one of those records nobody gives a damn about. But yeah, it, but you got it. But it. I got it. I think I
3: do. Yeah. Uh, your, your your initial thoughts on Bo Davis coming to LSU, uh, I know you think highly of him, and it's not the first time LSU has tried to reach out and bring Bo back. And I know uh, Bo even told me that you know, Coach Saban had reached out to him a couple yeah. different times, and it just yeah. wasn't the right moment. But – for people who aren't familiar with Bo, kind of, got to give that lowdown with him on what type yeah. of coach and what type of man Bo Davis is that yeah. LSU's getting.
4: Yeah, and this makes me very happy to talk about him. Like um, he's one of my favorites, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I recruited him, you know, out of junior college there in Mississippi, and I, I, I liked him when I was recruiting him. He's such a he's such a good person. He's got such a big heart. And uh, so I coached him at LSU and then, you know, we've been very, very close uh, all these, all these years, you know, we've met and talked football when he was in Alabama. Of course I was over there all the time with him. And then when he went to Texas, he had me out at Texas and I spent time with him. And then he came here one year and uh, spent time here with me and Donna down here at the beach and, and, and uh, we talked football for ten hours, twelve hours a day. He, he, I think he's, I think he's really, really good at what he does, Mike. I think he brings a lot to the table. Bowl is a, is a tough-minded guy. And you remember a couple of years back, he was very displeased with the bus ride after a big loss by Texas. And you remember he he got up and said some things he yeah. wished he hadn't
3: said. I remember.
4: But um I think he got more positive ink out of that overall than, than negative ink because you know it it the thing and he told me, he said, Coach, I, I just I flipped. I mean they were laughing and cutting up and partying and and we just got wiped wiped up. So he he's a guy that brings toughness, I think. He's got a lot of pride in his work. He wants to put a good product on the field, and he's in the, and he really likes kids. He enjoys coaching kids. Uh, I, I think it's such a great hire, and Coach Kelly now worked at this thing, and I know that because I, tried, I, I did my part to try to help Bo make up that mind to come back to LSU. Now, I will say this to you, Mike. When he called me Sunday night, he said, well, I've made up my mind. I'm going back to LSU. And I said, well, I am so excited about that. And I'm so excited you're going to take the job. And I said, Bo, let me say this to you, too. It's going to be a job because the talent level had really dropped off. And he's got to get in that portal. We talked about he's got to get in that portal they got to give him some bodies, Mike. they got to give him some, uh, some, some big guys to, to do this, especially now that Mason and uh, Wingo have decided to come out. But I don't know what I would have done this year without Jordan Jefferson, who was a poor little guy. And, you know, those, those guys, um, I'm out, that room was short on talent. Uh, no, short on numbers. The talent wasn't bad. They they just they hadn't been coached because they had had five different coaches and that really made things hard for them. But look, they they made my life so much fun. I, I really really enjoyed those guys. I just loved those guys to death. And and I, I'm telling you, I was sad when that bowl game was over. I was I was really sad. I missed them these couple of weeks since we've been gone because you know the young people are great and they're always looking down the road forward. If you're not careful when you get my age you look backwards. And I don't wanna do that. I, I wanna I wanna enjoy and I wanna savor in what I have have offered to me and they helped me do that and they worked really hard for me and I worked really hard for them like.
3: Coach, hang on to where you're at. We have to go to a break, but when we come back Uh, Charlie's got a question about Blake Baker, and uh, I got one about your old pal walking away from the game, Nick Saban. So hang tight. We'll be back with you in a few minutes. Uh, More sports talk here on the Big 870. The legendary Pete Jenkins joins us here right after this break here on the Big 870, WWL.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: Instacart knows nothing gets between you
2: and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
3: We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike, to tell you along with Charlie Long and on our Oakland Hardjula's talking Text Line, the legendary coach himself, Pete Jenkins. Pete, I'm going to you Charlie. He's got a question that he'd like to ask you.
1: Yeah, Coach, so you already yeah. talked about Bo Davis. I know he's one of your protégés, and you had very raving reviews about him. But they also hired the new D.C. Blake Baker. Both hires were made within a week. They got their target guys Blake Baker, what he did at Missouri just this past year was outstanding. It was a big reason why they were so good this past season was their defense. I just want to get your overall thoughts on Blake Baker coming to LSU after he was there in 2021 as a linebacker coach. Now he's coming back as a DC.
4: Okay. Uh, Now, I I know Blake. I do not know Blake um, really, really well. I know him him just a little bit. I'm, I'm more familiar with his work. Than I am him as a person, to be honest with you. But you know, you said it. He he did a he's done a terrific job everywhere he's ever been. They really liked him as a linebacker coach the year he was there with Ed. And uh, he he has a guy named Kevin Peoples who uh, was at Tulane at one time. He has uh, Kevin's been with him a couple of three years now. And Kevin is a, I, I consider Kevin a really good football coach. He raved about Blake all, all the whole time they were together. He told me, said, this guy is really, really a good young football coach. So to tell you the truth, I recommended him to coach Saban a year ago. And uh, because of that strong recommendation that Kevin had given me, I'm excited about Blake. I think he's going to do a heck of a job at LSU, and and he's got him a he's got him a good start with that line coach he had hired. So, it's a beginning of a a really what I think will be an outstanding staff.
3: Coach, um, as we were fixing to go on yesterday, um, our lead was going to be Bo being the new defensive line yeah. coach and everything. And at four roll three or whatever, I, my, my phone flashes. And all of a sudden, I see my old friend of over 30 years, Chris Lowe, break this story about Nick Saban. And Bobby's like, man, Mike, you sure that that's accurate? I was like, man, listen, I've been knowing Chris for over 30 years. He's not putting that out if he didn't have the best source. Uh, Your thoughts on how big of a surprise was it for you? You and Nick have been close for so many years that he would walk yeah. away. But, you know, you and I have talked about this. You do something a certain way for a certain period of time, you're not changing. I know I'm not, yeah. you not, Nick's not. Yeah. And and your thoughts on, on Nick Saban, uh, how surprised were you? And also, what he did for college football?
4: Yeah. Mike, it's interesting that you're relating your story there. <clears throat> I was on a radio show yesterday about both. That was – that was why they called me. They wanted me to, which I was happy to do, to talk about Bo. And the producer had me on the phone, and he said, they want to know if you can stay for two segments because they wanted to, to, do, to talk about Bo, but they want to talk about Coach Sabin's retirement. Well, hey, Mike, you, you can hit me between the damn eyes with a baseball bat. I said, What? Well, it really got me, and I, I showed some emotion. Uh, I'm not ashamed that I did that. I showed some emotion, but it was the way it all. I didn't have any time to prepare myself. I'm already on the on the radio talking when I find out about Joe Saban. So, yeah, it, it was. It's really been hard on me, and and the reason I say it's been hard on me because I love college football. I love college coaches. I love college players. I love college football. And, you know, Mike, the greatest advocate for college football that we have is Nick Saban. And I'm going to miss him on the sidelines. I'm going to miss him, me going over there and spending normally two or sometimes three weeks a year that he brought me over there. I'm gonna miss that aspect. But I'm gonna miss his influence on the game. And I think Coach Sabin, I heard him say on T V that day that this season was trying for him and that he was tired. So I really think the I think it's been wearing on him for a couple of years because there's nobody that I've ever known in my entire life that works as hard as Nick Satan. No assistant. I remember one year, my we the first year he was at LSU, we worked 48 weekends that year. And people were talking about, man, he's working you guys on that. I said, well, he is working the heck out of us. There's no question about that. But none of us work as hard as he does. So I, I just think, and I, and I tell you, I can, I'm going to be honest with you, I think the NIL and the portal, I think that's been hard on coach Saban, just like it has me. We're, we're older and and these words like commitment and dedication and pride in your school and things like that. You know, those, those things don't exist a lot anymore, very rarely. And the game has become like pro football. It's about money. And, uh, I think that's had a real effect on coach Saban because, you know, he stands for what's right. And, um, I I just, I just think all of those things, plus he's 72 years old and you can't work at the pace he works, uh, and be 72 years old and not get tired. Uh, so I don't know if I answered that question good for you, but, those are the two things. I think it's the the work, uh, the effort he's having to put in. I think it's the the recruiting, the NIL, the portal, people leaving, and whatever. I think all of that is. I just think it bundled up with him, and uh, and I think that's what what uh, made him make this decision that he just made.
1: Coach, kind of on a light-hearted tone to end this interview with you, I, I just want to get your thoughts. I mean, you saw Jaden Daniels firsthand in his Heisman season. He was outstanding. How would you teach a defensive line to defend Jaden Daniels and all the things that he can do as a quarterback?
4: <laughs> Go ahead, Pete, tell him. Good question. I saw a lot of people have problems with that same question. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Here's the thing. So you take Washington the other night against Michigan. They became one-dimensional. So quick in that ball game. Uh, I don't know if it was because Michigan ran the ball so effectively early, but Penix he had no chance in that game because they became so one dimensional. All Michigan did was just lay their ears back and rush the passer. Okay, so when when a team becomes one dimensional that's when you see a grin on my face. I don't care if it's run or pass one dimensional really helps us on defense to, to know what to do and know how to defend. Well, my point in saying that to you is Jaden brings you two dimensional dimensions. I don't know if I'd rather him run it or throw it, Uh, but he's so good at both. And, uh, I, I've never been around a football player quite like him. And I want to add this to you too, uh, Mike, let me tell you, he's the most unspoiled superstar I've ever been around. I mean, unbelievable. The guy is just modest. And, and I do think this, I think that wearing that purple and gold was important to him and, uh, I, I I just have so much admiration, not only for his ability. I certainly have a lot of ability. I mean, uh, a lot of admiration for his ability, but him as a person, and the way that boy conducted himself on that football team, I just I just I hope he has uh, a great career. I know he's got to learn to slide, because uh, them biguns are going they go they to cut him in half now. I mean, he, you know, he's a very slight guy. And he's got all that speed, but he's got to learn to get on the ground a little bit. But he'll learn that. And and I think, I hope he has a great pro career because he's a very deserving young man.
3: Coach, thanks so much for joining us this yeah. afternoon. Man, I really appreciate it. Missed having you on for a couple months. But uh, I, I told you when we talked, yeah, when you busy, took mate. the job, uh, I'm not going to bother you. Uh, I'm going to let no, you be and because yeah. uh, I knew you were busy. But, man, great to have you back with us. And uh, I, I know we'll be talking real soon and have you back on Sports Talk. And, man, we are so proud of you being able to come back I can't mention it exactly. The awards you won in the locker room after. <laughs> yeah, he, he, no, he showed me, coach, because we'd have to be on serious <laughs> for me to I, say
4: I, it. But thank well, you, coach. You know, and I, I'm very proud of that, Mike. Oh, also, I imagine you, you are. You said something about midseason, or whatever you know. But I came in, and we won seven out of the last eight when we got when I got there. So my goal was to help them win, and coach. And Coach Kelly told me, said, Pete, if you can make them punt two or three times in the game (laughs) – He said, we're going to have a chance to win with our offense.
3: So you settled up on that two and three of the yeah, Now you, yeah. you, you didn't want to go over the total on that.
4: No, that's right, man. I'm telling you, that was great. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Coach.
3: Appreciate it. Okay. Uh, that was the legendary Pete Jenkins, uh, one of the all-time greats uh, at LSU and uh, arguably the greatest defensive line coach of all time. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this break.
0: Baseball is back, and so is
3: We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike, to take you along with Charlie Long. Again, we want to thank Pete Jenkins. Great stuff for us to uh, start to show out. And on our Oakland Hardjula's Talk and Text line is the host of BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports betting insider Eddie Gross. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the BetQL Daily Podcast for more of Ed's analysis. Just search BetQL wherever you find your podcast. Ed, how you doing today, partner?
2: You know, over the last 24 hours, like, my head is about to explode just (laughs) because of all of this news. And so keeping it intact, I call it a victory. Yeah, you
3: go. There you go. Ed, before we get into some of the games, I'll throw it to Charlie after this, but your thoughts looking at long-term with the Saints for 2024, Mm -hmm. they have some young pieces here uh, that certainly catches your eye uh, at the wide receiver position uh, with Olave, Rashid Shahid, uh, Juwan Johnson, who's really a flex tight end. He's a wide receiver playing tight end. And we saw A.T. Perry uh, really play extremely well uh, toward the end of the year. A couple of good young backs in the lineup. Carr played better at the stretch. I got major problems with them along the offensive line. Uh, getting a little older on defense, no question about it. And I think you're going to need to upgrade there. And at the safety position. Your thoughts in a weak NFC South and this is from the outside looking in, your thoughts on 2024 for the Saints? Because I think if there's any question from people here, it's maybe structure of exactly where this team is going at this stage Uh, because you can see the weaknesses, but do they have the ability to straighten this out structure-wise, coaching-wise, everything else, to put them on that path to get back to the top in the NFC South?
2: I think when I'm reading the tea leaves, by keeping Dennis Allen, that tells me that they really want to focus on this defense. Because what's interesting is that you look at defensive rankings and certainly look at a lot from next-gen stats in terms of completion percentage over expected allowed, defensive success rate, things like that. In many ways, this was about on par with all of the other great Saints defenses. Now, it may not necessarily have felt that way. And there are certainly games where it didn't look that way. But it does seem to me like, yes, because you have some guys who are longer in the tooth, maybe when it comes to pass rush, certainly in that secondary, that's absolutely the case. To me, this is something where if you want to not shake up the head coaching situation or the coaching staff too much... That leads me to believe that you want the focus to be on this defense to get back to an elite level. Because for the most part, offensively, yeah, you can make some offensive line changes. And certainly you can work on that in the draft in terms of best available. But for the most part, this is about restructuring this defense. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I still think because you have basically gone all in with Derek Carr that there's not a whole lot of wiggle room you have going forward. But to me, this is about keeping this defense young. This is about finding good guys in the draft and making sure that you can prevent the pass more than anything else. And yes, I know you have one big team in that division who probably won't pass the ball all that much anyway. But to me, that doesn't matter all that much because you've got Carolina, which you know they have nowhere to go but up, I suppose. And then Tampa Bay is kind of in this weird spot where let's say they lose Dave Canales, their offensive coordinator. To me, that's significant because they did so many different things with motion and rolling Baker Mayfield on the outside and stuff like that. I think in terms of analyzing where the saints are compared with the rest of the division, maybe the focus should have been more on say Tampa Bay than it was on Atlanta. And maybe that was sort of the biggest mistake in terms of how to restructure things going forward
1: and kind of looking forward to super wildcard weekend I'll go a little bit chronologically starting with the Saturday games but first and foremost Mike and I agree on this one this is one of the most intriguing matchups of the weekend if not the most intriguing just because these two teams no one really expected them to be there maybe you could have predicted Cleveland but Houston going from where they were in the lottery mm-hmm. or in the first couple picks this past year to now winning their division and hosting a playoff game no one expected that from first year head coach D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud but the matchup isn't great for them now Cleveland was two and a half point favorites i seen That line kind of shift a little bit down to two points, uh, and then also the over under in this matchup is 44 and a half. Just want to get your thoughts on this one. Houston's very good at home, they're six and three there, but the matchup isn't great for them. And is it, was it just that you know the playoff game that they actually played was that Indianapolis game just to get in here? And are they just kind of happy to be here type of thing?
2: I don't necessarily think it's just that they're happy to be there. I really do think that the Texans want to make history by having a first year head coach and a rookie quarterback. This is one of those games where there are things that you can point to that would probably put you in an obvious path. And you have to be really, really careful because I think there are some trends out there that will trip you up. And one of those is rookie quarterbacks. Don't do well in the playoffs. First year head coaches don't do well in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. And I go, well, in this particular matchup, there are reasons to believe that even if the Texans are trailing, they can make a comeback. I think the biggest mistake that anybody can make in terms of handicapping this game is believing that Joe Flacco will be on a circa 2012 tear, just like he was with the Ravens, and that they're suddenly going to go back to the Super Bowl because the defense is the best in football, and Joe Flacco has found you know, the fountain of youth or whatever it is. I don't believe that. I think Flacco is probably due for a bad game, and it could happen as soon as this Saturday. Part of the problem is that Amari Cooper – What is his status? Like, what is he going to to be out there? I mean, he, I don't think practiced the last couple of days uh, or, you know, that's a big problem there, but do we trust this rushing attack for Cleveland? That's something we have not said over the last few years. And suddenly I go, well, now the rushing game is a bit of a problem for Cleveland. So that's going to be something. And then you look at the Texans ability to come back from deficits. CJ Stroud has the second longest average death of target at more than 8.7 yards. So even if this defense is giving them fits, I think the personnel is smart enough to figure this out. So there might be live betting opportunities for the Texans to cover, but as far as the two and a half right now, I want to take the points with the Texans.
1: Another team that's got some money coming on them also on Saturday. I think that the Chiefs are starting to get a little bit more money put on them if you look at just the conditions. Have you? I don't know, Ed, have you seen the pictures in Kansas City? I know everyone's kind of oh predicting gosh, like a yeah, zero degree uh, like start time. Get them long but underwear at, already, brother. I mean, you got to see Arrowhead. Right. For, for those that haven't, go look it up. Go look at the live look at Arrowhead Stadium right now. It is just full of snow. It is a nightmare for those Miami boys going up uh, to Arrowhead Stadium and just the conditions there. And now Kansas City is now four and a half point favorites. That line has moved a little bit. I think it's. started at like three and a half it's it's just steadily grown more and more in favor of the chiefs uh and then another thing that i thought was pretty interesting the over-under for this game is the same as it is for the browns and texans it's around 44 and a half they're expecting around 45 points in this game Uh, but with those conditions i mean what do you think about this matchup ed
2: well, it's funny because, like, you, you look at all those pictures, it's unbelievable. I remember uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the Patriots running back, saying he never played in a snow game or a super cold weather game. And he said, well, I'm glad I finally did, but it kind of sucks. Right. And that's exactly what these teams need to be prepared for, <laughs> what the fans need to be prepared for it as well. Like, it does suck being at games that are that cold. Yeah, it's football weather, but that's not fun. It's not fun at all. Like, get a dome, it's fine. Uh, but as far as this matchup goes, biggest concern I have is the health of the Dolphins' defense. Uh safeties Deshaun Elliott, Javon Holland, and the quarterback, Xavier Howard. We saw this on Sunday against Buffalo, where you're getting geriatric guys out there to cover fantastic receivers. And at some point, that will let you down. Now, I get that the conditions will kind of nullify this. And I also get that the Chiefs are not the Bills when it comes to overall talent like outside of travis kelsey maybe rasheed rice like you're not going to trust this passing game all that much and they're going to keep things really really conservative as as they have all season long and that might help the dolphins in terms of not having to worry about you know having the top blown off or whatever it is i think that we are overreacting to this notion that the dolphins are just gonna lie down and that's that you know they're not going to try anymore I do think that the, the rushing attack is going to keep this game interesting. I would take the points with the Dolphins, if for no other reason, but that outside run game has been just fantastic, and they need to go to that a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more jet sweeps with Tyreek Hill and some of these other fantastic receivers. If you can find some props in terms of their rushing yards, I would probably look to those overs more than anything else. And then as far as a prop for the Chiefs, Pat Mahomes, 33-and-a-half pass attempts. I like the over there. This rushing attack for the Chiefs is overrated. Isaiah Pacheco has not been nearly as efficient as he should have been. I think they will pass a little bit more, especially with game script dictating that.
3: Your thoughts on Cowboys-Packers. Uh, Bob and I talked about this along with Charlie yesterday. For the Packers to stay in this game, they got to have a running attack. Okay, Aaron Jones mm-hmm. has got to be a big part of it if, if Dylan's involved, whatever. But if you – get behind on the Cowboys and they play Sikkim defense you in trouble so you got to play in a certain lane of traffic uh, so to speak to, to get the Cowboys and we've seen other teams in the past when they have committed to the running game and being able to run the football they have given the Cowboys issues
2: absolutely they have and it's something that we didn't realize was a problem until say like midway through the season because they were blowing out just about everybody but you saw effective rushing attacks and you saw the cowboys wilt a little bit i still think that the cowboys can win this thing going away i would probably uh lay the seven and a half in large part because even if the cowboys are up they are not going to be conservative they have one of the higher pass rates over expected in the nfl They still want to throw it no matter what the situation is. And they've been really good at that. Like Zach Prescott is not turning the ball over nearly as much as we saw a season ago. And I expect it's going to happen again because this Packers defense is awful. It's terrible. They have made names for third string quarterbacks. This is not okay, boys and girls. You can't do this. So I think the other side of the ball is where I'm way more comfortable in terms of backing. Cowboys team total over at home has been a wonderful trend. I would continue to back that. I think I saw it at 29 and a half, definitely beat the over. But, yeah, I agree with the idea that if they can establish the run, the Packers, then at least they can shorten the game and keep it a little bit closer. But they will have to score at just about every drive if they are going to do that. And I do have some questions, despite how much I've liked Jordan Love's progress, if they are able to
3: achieve that. Ed, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Always appreciate your time and insights, buddy. Thank you. Thank you so much, my man. All right, Ed, That was the host of BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports betting insider Eddie Gross. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines on the BetMGM app. We'll be back to finish it up here in our number one of Sports Talk on the Big 870 right after this break. We're finishing up here in our number one of Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. We have a texter asked about, guys, can y'all tell me the honest truth why Nick Saban did not come back to LSU after Miami? Real simple. Les Miles' his first three years were 11-2, 11-2, 12 and 2 in 2007, and he wins the BCS national championship at that time against Ohio State. The job wasn't open, they weren't going to get rid of less. Now, hindsight being 2020, if you could have looked into that crystal ball and said, Okay, uh, should we make that move? Yeah, I, I get it, but at that time, you didn't know that, and so the reason why it wasn't because of anything else. Last had won 11 games, 11 games, 12 games, and won a national championship in 07.
1: Hindsight's 2020. Yeah, that that's that's. it. Exactly. wasn't open. I mean, that's, that's where it comes no down to. The, opening. Job, the job wasn't open. Here's it. the
3: two craziest parts of that. Alabama was so close to hiring Rich Rod, Rich Rodriguez, wow. and that fell apart late, and then they turned to Nick. Rich Rod, who's now at Jacksonville yeah. State. Yeah, Beat Jimmy, and Jimmy Sexton got involved, and at that last moment, and that Nick, after saying, I'm not going to leave Miami, I'm not going to leave, he left. The other thing, and that changed the world of college football, him going to Alabama. The other thing it did, too, in 06, Drew Brees goes there on a visit, does not pass the physical. He couldn't have passed the physical anywhere. He had just had surgery on his uh, shoulder. And they made the decision not to go that route, uh, to give Drew the money, and they decided to go with Dante Culpepper instead mm-hmm. at quarterback and would it change the world for the Saints. So Nick going to Alabama changed the world of the SEC in college football, but when they didn't sign him, it changed the world with the Saints.
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to go back to what Wilson Alexander said last night. Him leaving college football is going to start a domino effect that will change the sport too because, I mean, who's going to be that next guy at Alabama? Like who's going to move – from their current head coaching position, they're, they're going to get a, a high-name dude. Now, Dan Landing has officially taken his name out of the running, the Oregon coach. So uh, it's
3: Kalen DeBoer, Kalen DeBoer is from, from Washington. Washington a, a and name. it was funny, you know, we were talking to Brando about it, and I said, isn't his path similar to Dennis Erickson who had been at Montana and South Dakota State and Washington State? Again, he goes to Miami, Florida. And then look at what DeBoer could possibly be walking into there. Man, it's some big moccasins, though. Oh,
1: yeah. You better. Never you never better... want to be the guy to follow the guy. <laughs>
3: That's right. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this news break.